Hi, I'm Leon from Bendigo, Victoria, Australia, a student pharmacist from Monash University, Melbourne, Australia. Hi, I'm Brian from Scarsdale, New York, a student pharmacist from Binghamton University in upstate New York. You're listening to Pharmacy Forward, a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Mary Ann Clothermes, Professor and Vice Chair for Ambulatory Care at the Midwestern University Chicago College of Pharmacy and co-owner of Clinical Pharmacy Services in Chicago, Illinois. Hi, I'm Laurie Fleming. And joining me today is my co-host, Megan Brown. We're from the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy, and welcome to the Pharmacy Forward podcast. Our topic today is the patient care process, why it's important, but also focusing more on the business case and the justification that is necessary. Our guest today is Dr. Mary Ann Clothermis, the Vice Chair of Ambulatory Care and a professor at the Chicago College of Pharmacy at Midwestern University, where her main responsibilities include supporting practice faculty through advancement of services, mentoring, and scholarship. Well, thank you, Megan and Laurie. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm happy to discuss this important topic. Thank you, Mary Ann. I've had some experiences in implementing the patient care process in several clinic sites. What has been interesting is that every site is different and they seem to expect different things and have varying needs from pharmacy. This makes replicating services difficult. Can you share your experiences regarding the importance of consistency in the patient care process? Well, Laurie, you bring up a very important point, and that is that pharmacist services really go across the spectrum, and it depends on the needs of the team and the needs of the population that you are serving. The important thing about the patient care process is that it transcends no matter what service you are providing, whether it's transition to care, immunizations, all the way to comprehensive med management. The importance of it is that We all do the same thing. And if I could do an analogy, um, it's like if you go to a cardiologist or if you go to family practice or primary care or endocrinologist, they all do different services, but they all do it in the same process. There's the chief complaint. They get your history. They do a review of systems, get physical exam, make an assessment and do a plan. So what pharmacy doesn't have consistently is that same process. And that's really what the patient care process does. It has uh, what we do, which is we collect information, be it from the patient or from the electronic medical record or from other providers. We assess information that we collect with focus on medications to determine medication-related problems. And again, treating the patient as a whole. And then we create a plan, develop goals, implement the plan, and do follow-up and monitoring. So that is the process that's the same. It just differs with each population as far as the intensity of services and their needs. And the important thing about the process is the business case. In that world, we need to make sure we're reliably providing standard, consistent services that produce outcomes that are reliably consistent. So that standards and doing things kind of the same really helps consistently produce the outcomes that we say we can do. 
When we look at how other providers are billed for their services, the ones that have provider status and are able to bill, uh, they bill based on their process. Physicians do, dietitians do, nurse practitioners do. And the amount of reimbursement is dependent on the complexity and intensity of what they are doing and the patients they are seeing. And maybe the third most important thing, I think, of having a standard process and trying to incorporate that in in all of the sites is that the government and and healthcare in general is working on interoperability, meaning sharing of of patient information. So so, we're not so siloed and it's not so onerous to try to take care of patients and not have the information you need. The government is working on building infrastructure for that. And the patient care process with its elements is going to be the structure for pharmacists and pharmacies to interact and to integrate and to uh, share information between other entities. So I've worked with the pharmacy HIT in developing that and giving it to the Office of Medicare Coordination. And we have given them a typical, really comprehensive med management case uh, to show that using this process is how they will build that infrastructure. So the importance of documenting, following that process is going to be important for our ability to communicate with other uh, providers in their systems. To switch the subject a little bit, recently I worked on curricular development related to what we are teaching students about the pharmacist patient care process. And I'm interested in your perspective from the business case. What could we discuss related to the business case and what assistance might you offer in how we should handle teaching this material? But that's a very good question. What I've noticed with students, at least in our college, where we've started uh, teaching this, is they really are latching onto it. Um, I have seen some proposals for student-related projects where they're using the patient care process and what they are doing. And I think the way to teach it so that it's more impactful, especially in today's climate, is to tell them that for efficiency, And the ability to exchange information is incredibly important, but also just to understand the payment models that exist. You know, when pharmacists do become providers and are able to bill, I don't believe the healthcare system is going to create a whole new billing system for pharmacy. So we're going to have to really try to fit into what is currently being done. And as I mentioned, it's using a standard process with complexity and intensity built into that. Because payment, and even as we go away from fee-for-service payment, attribution of of how much you contributed to the overall team care of that patient will probably be based on what you did and how what you did influences the quality outcomes that that team has for their population and their patient. And, And on top of it, as we all know, students learn things in school, but that has to be modeled by the profession when they go out on their practice rotations. Therefore, uh, it's very important for pharmacists also to be adopting this, understanding it, and modeling it for their students. 
Absolutely. I think that is so important that we, not only as teachers, but also as preceptors, we are making sure to be descriptive when we are going through the patient care process so that our students are understanding that we are really following the steps. I think sometimes in practice, we often can do things so quickly. So making sure that we are taking the time to outline each step as we go through the pharmacist patient care process, I think is really important also. We've been working on a a project to truly understand what ambulatory pharmacists do, what are their activities, and it's called enthnography. So we've been actually shadowing them as a residency project, and we've just started this year as a pilot at one of our practice sites. Uh, We have about 14, 15 pharmacists that we've shadowed. And interestingly, we have noted from our preceptors, not all our faculty, um, that they are missing pieces of the process. So... It's interesting to see that when you hear about the process, you think, oh, yeah, I do that. I've always been doing that. But it's been pretty interesting to note that when you actually get in there, some of these pieces are missing. And, and so I, I, it might take some inter-reflection of each of our uh, pharmacists and our practitioners to, to really understand and look at, at that process to make sure we're hitting all the marks. I'm so glad you pointed that out because I think that's important for all of us to think about. So let's talk about some barriers. With the different requirements that each state has, lack of provider status, and the nuances of different payment systems, what are your thoughts on how these things can be moved forward so that payment can become the norm when providing pharmacy services? Yeah, that's a real difficult question. One of the issues, the big issue we have is that healthcare follows Medicare. What Medicare does, that's the, the gold standard. So as far as federal regulations, which is the Social Security Act, pharmacists are not considered providers. I'll tell you the truth, I think CMS has really tried their darndest to help pharmacists as best they can with chronic care management codes and transition to care codes. But I think the successes, as we're starting to see, are going to come from the states. And there are three things each state needs in order for pharmacists to be able to bill. The first is they need a scope of practice that covers what services they're providing. And everyone really needs to take a good look at their states. They are The scope of practices across the country and some of the states are really, I guess for a lack of a better word, are really missing some of the key pieces that pharmacists are practicing when they are doing, I think, uh, very intense and complex services such as uh, CMM. So you really have to make sure your scope of practice is covering what you're doing because Payment is based on the scope of practice, and Medicare sets that. Every time they say, even for auxiliary personnel uh, to be covered in Incident 2, it's within their state scope of practice. The second thing that you need is to be considered provider. And actually, the majority of states, not all of them, but somewhere in that number, about 38 of the states, actually do list pharmacists as healthcare providers. And I know in the state of Illinois, where I reside, there are three different statutes that indicate pharmacists as healthcare providers. So why are they not getting paid? Well, that's really the critical third piece of which the state of Washington now has achieved, as well as the state of Tennessee, and that is the state sets insurance regulations and rules for for the commercial payers in their state, as well as the state Medicaid, about who are they required to pay. And pharmacists are generally not listed in that list. So if they receive a bill 
for a service from a pharmacist, they are not required by the state insurance regulations to pay them. So what the state of Washington did is they changed, they had the legislature change the insurance regulations to include pharmacists providing services within their scope of practice. And if those services were in the benefit plan of insurer in that state, then the insurer is required to pay the pharmacist for providing those services. But that's the critical piece. And, um, and I think what we may see is states, more progressive states, moving towards getting that accomplished, probably and maybe even before the federal government does. Wow, that is really informative, Marianne. I personally had no idea. Sounds like as um, state organizations move forward that we really do have a lot to a lot of work to do as it relates to provider status. And we really can't wait nationally for that to happen. I don't think so. And even if it happens nationally, if you don't have your scope of practice and your insurance code secured in your state, um, you may be able to build Medicare, but I'm not sure about anything else. So it's really important to be working on both fronts. Yes, Marianne, it sounds like you've dedicated a lot of time and effort into understanding and developing this work around the patient care process. I recently came across an article about you in ASHP Intersections that was titled Career and Family. Marianne Clothermis proves that you can have it all. I was totally intrigued, and since we three are all moms, I wanted to briefly chat about how you balance this great work that you do to advance our profession and still have a family at home. Well, I don't know. I, I, well, I'll tell you my, my story a little bit is I married a pharmacist and I understand we're all married to pharmacists. So that's number one. So I think, you know, maybe that helped that he understands what I'm doing. So what happened was I was being a clinical pharmacist, had my first son, and then 16 months later, I had twins. So I had three babies under the age of two. And this is in 1985 when daycare was much more challenging than it is today. I had no choice but to go part-time. However, I knew how I wanted to practice. And I wanted to have a very rewarding, fulfilling, I wanted to know I was taking care of patients type of practice. So I had to fight for working as a clinical pharmacist part-time. And my biggest allies, as I think I reported in that article, were actually the physicians that I worked with who saw the value I was providing to their patients. So I think having that balance kept me engaged in both avenues. And so consequently, I am a big advocate of pharmacists that want to do that and have a family to, to figure out how best they can do that and having managers that are really there to help them justify and, and make that a reality and happening. And I think director of pharmacy who told me he got more work out of me than he does out of his full-time people. And I think all of us moms know that you can't get it done at home, so you got to get it done at work, right? So I think that that was it. But it allowed me, you know, I, I think the thing that I did was that was different is that I never settled for a practice that I wasn't content with. And I and there were some times that I really went to bat trying to make sure that I had this level of practice that I wanted. Um, it wasn't always easy, but that was that's sort of my story. It was just necessity, I think. But I, you know, I love what I do. And I made sure that I was always doing what I'd loved. You know, I always wanted to be totally accountable and responsible for the, my patients' meds. I love hearing that story. Um, my kids are still fairly young, and I have also a 
13 year old bonus kid. So um, hearing this just really gives me a little inspiration to keep going because it is certainly, I think, hardest job is being mom. Being a mother makes you understand that when you go home, then your mom job turns on. And so getting it done at work is really important. Yes, it definitely helps. And I completely agree. And thank you for sharing your personal story with us and really explaining your balancing of of doing it all, Marianne. It's inspirational. So thank you for that. Um, I also want to thank you for being part of our podcast today and really talking our way through the patient care process and the intricacies of billing procedures and codes and how we're moving forward in our profession. And I really think this is an exciting time for us. I would like to also thank you for being a part of the Pharmacy Forward podcast today and for discussing some of the pharmacist patient care process with us and billing. Some of the key points that I wanted to just point out for our listeners today are just making sure that we are aligned to bill based on the process and really fitting into the billing system that exists currently. So when we get provider status, we will have the ability to seamlessly transition. And then also making sure that from a state level that we're being involved because there's so much rules and regulations as it relates to the states that needs to be in place prior to provider status. And then also producing reliably consistent results. I love that phrase. So I'm taking that one home with uh, me and I hope our listeners are as well. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you both. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Forward a podcast about transforming knowledge into action. If you like this podcast, please subscribe using your favorite podcast app and tell all your pharmacy friends and colleagues. Be sure to rate us and send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a story you'd like to share about someone who's transforming knowledge into action, send us an email. Pharmacy Forward is produced by the Division of Pharmacy Professional Development at the University of Mississippi School of Pharmacy. For more information about professional development programs, visit pharmacycpd.org. That's pharmacycpd.org. This episode was conceived and developed by Megan Brown, Lori Fleming, Josh Fleming, and Stuart Haynes. Mm-hmm.